You know why I've said this many times, what, what a lot of people do, they get up in their morning, they have their devotion, they read their Bible, and then they get into life and something happens and they throw their Bible away. It's like, I got to deal with this. No, 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 no. Th this will change everything. I got to respond to my circumstance according to this. This is why a lot of people get frustrated. Well, it just, yeah, I went to church, I tried that Jesus thing, it just really didn't work for me. It's because you didn't work it. Because it works. It's like math works unless you don't know how to do math. Well, I, you know, I tried that math thing. I just couldn't come up with the right answer. That's because you didn't understand math. It's not, it's not deep. Not being negative, people. If you don't know how to do it, it ain't going to work for you. Y'all went quiet. I heard some noise before. And you go, this thing works. Well, last week I, uh, I ministered on Thanksgiving because this is Thanksgiving month, and uh, I'm still ministering on Thanksgiving. We, we looked at the, the real definition of being thankful and how it works and stuff like that last week. Um, I, you know, there's some, some things I've been teaching on, honor, now Thanksgiving. Uh, these are foundational things, that submission. If you don't have them in your life, the rest of it's not going to work. And I'll tell you on Thanksgiving, it's the same as with honor. We, we, as I went through honor, we are an honorless society uh, because we're a very me generation now. We're just looking at us, how it affects us. We don't, we don't live in honor. We're not honorable um, in many facets of life. We don't see it, but um, uh, people don't even honor their own word. Used to be, you could, you could contract with somebody, get in business with somebody just on your word. No, nobody thought different about it. You can't do that anymore. I've operated on that with Johnny George, you know, the owner of this building, uh, because he honors his word. And he trusts me because he's saying, I honor my word. If I say I'm going to do something, I will do it, even if it's to my own hurt. If circumstances change, I will honor my word and still do it. I've done that before. It's cost me. Probably the most it's cost me is $4,000 in one setting. Uh, I went into a partnership with a guy on a house flip. And uh, he bailed after he said that he would do what he's going to do and left me holding the bag. And uh, it ended up costing me $4,000, but I, I was honorable to my word. And, uh, and if I would have made a profit, and I lost money, $4,000, but if I had made a profit, I'd have given him his house. Because my word means more than money or anything else. We, we, don't, we don't see that anymore. Thanksgiving, most people believe they're thankful for things. But if you listen to last week and start really understanding thankfulness, there's a lot of things in our lives we would not do if we were really thankful. Uh, there's a lot of things that come out of our mouth that would not come out. Uh, Americans are, and it's, it's not that I just like brilliant and I learned this, it's because I traveled overseas so much, I saw it in myself. We say we're thankful for stuff, but we're really not. You, most people are not thankful they have a roof over their head. What's inside underneath the roof has to have be certain things. They've got to buy all their knickknacks and patty wax and everything like that. And they don't have everything that they want. Then they get all grumpy. Well, I, I want this. I want to change that. I want to do this. Uh, going to a third world country. You know that old thing? Uh, what was it about? A, I complained about not having a car until I saw a man with no feet or something like that. Remember that thing that somebody said? Uh, we've got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. I remember um, uh, I was in India at the time and uh, a preacher was there and he was telling the story of he got a flat tire on his bicycle. 
Now, American, they'd have that thing fixed before the end of the day. It took him like six weeks before he could get enough money to, uh, to fix the flat tire. He had like three churches, if I remember correctly, mo more than two, I know that, but we'll just say three. And he would ride the bike and go to each congregation to help them minister and pastor them. Uh, when he lost the bike, he had the flat tire, he walked it. That like extended his day out very far. And, uh, uh, but he didn't, he didn't lose sight of what he was, his purpose of what he was doing. Where as American, number one, we just go put it on uh, MasterCard because he's our master. Little church joke right there. Okay. Uh, we'd go put it on MasterCard and pay 18, 27% interest on it because we have to have this right now. All, all of these things I'm talking about are not just conditions of the world. It's, it's a state of thankfulness. And, and we lack it so many times. So it's not going to look like I'm talking about thankfulness, but hang with me. I'm going to pull it together. Go to Psalms 31. Amen. Psalms 31. We're going to start off here in the Old Testament and then go into the New Testament. Psalms 31 and 1. In the Lord, or in the O Lord, King James, do I put my trust. Now this, I'm going to preach on this at some point, but there is an assumption to the Bible that many people miss, and they've interpreted it as grace has given everything to everybody. So, so there's a lot of people that think we have access into all things, even though there's so many verses with an if in it. If you do this, then I will do that. Okay, but here's the problem right here. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Most people, because what David is saying in this is my trust Re is reliant on you, Lord. Not, not like 89% of my trust, 63% of my trust, 92% of... In thee do I put my trust. Now, if you stop and you look at... If we look at our lives, um, most of us don't trust 100% in the Lord. We trust in money. We trust in our jobs. We trust in other things that help our lives. Go and then we ask God to bless our trust of different places. Mm -hmm. Now, this is going to become important. Let me never be ashamed. Now, now, what would be the ashamed in what he's talking about here in your trust? See, notice what he said in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust? Let me never be ashamed. Mm -hmm. So, so don't ever let me find my place or find myself in a place where I'm not trusting in you. So even at David's probably, you know, uh, his biggest opposition battle that he ever faced was at Ziklag when they came in and st stole all the wives, all the kids, all the stuff. And he was, he was tormented in heart because he'd never lost a battle. But then his men turned on him and wanted to kill him. He ran to the Lord. No, no, pause right there because this is a trust thing. When life really punches you in the face and it looks like it's not working, where do you first turn? And I'm not saying because you went, oh, God, help me, you know, and then got in your emotions. Where is your trust? See, most people are more moved in the emotional realm than they are in the word of God. Amen. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Now, we're going to go through several verses here where it's kind of the deliver me type verses. So, so you have to realize that David 
in his writing of this, realized, I am going to face obstacles. I am going to face conditions that are not positive in my life. Okay, but, but look how he, how he states it. Verse 2, bow down thine ear to me, deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense and save me. You know, verse has been really stirring in my heart lately. It's not on this message. It's just kind of a side note where he says, deliver me speedily. I think we need to all start expecting answers faster. We answer and we wait. And, and what, what is really out of the book of Acts, <clears throat> I think I <clears throat> dealt with this on my live stream. Um, <clears throat> Peter's gotten out of jail and they're in there praying. And it says, behold, their threatenings. They're coming against us. He didn't pray for, uh, for God to remove the obstacle. He says, grant us boldness that we may speak your name. And immediately the house shook. I want to start seeing some immediate illies. We, we need, I, I think in order, this is not my topic today, just kind of like stirred on my heart right now. Uh, I think we need to start raising up our internal expectations. Cool haircut, Justin. <laughs> it took me a minute to, to see who was sitting by Sandy. Uh, he's getting closer. I just can't do that long beard. Um, in order to see the immediately, we've got to raise an expectation of immediately. We need to start praying and looking. God, where's it going to happen? Amen. So let me keep reading. Verse 4. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privily for me, for thou art my strength. Now, now verse 5 is really where I'm trying to get to. In thine hand... I commit my spirit. The only way to commit is to be thankful for what's on the other side of the commitment. You're not going to, naturally as humans, we're not going to commit to something that we don't perceive yes. is a value to us. Amen. If you go back to uh, Jacob, remember Jacob's ladder? If you go in and study it, I don't have it all memorized, but if you go and study it, God said, remember there's, there's angels going up, down this ladder, God's speaking to Jacob, and he says, uh, uh, you know, if you'll serve me, I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and I'll do this. And names like four things. And then Jacob turns around and says, well, if God, you'll do this, and you'll do this, and you'll do this, you'll do this, and you'll do this. And he says about six things that God did not say. I've often asked the question, why were the angels going up and down the ladder? You know, angelic aerobics or something? You know, the, the, old, the stair stepper of the Old Testament? No, they were going into heaven bringing things out that Jacob saw. There was provision to life. So, so Jacob saw that in the commitment to you, God, you're going to provide all this. I'll commit. I'll commit. I'll commit. Now, Jacob, who came first, Jacob or Moses? Okay, I heard Jacob. You're right. So that was before the law. And Jacob said, if you're going to do all this, I'll give a tenth. Oh, man. Don't you hate it when those pesky verses mess up people's doctrines? Into thy hand I commit my spirit, for thou hast redeemed me, O, o Lord. So there is a linkage 
between commitment and thanksgiving. Amen. So, and you can take this out of the God realm and put it in your own life. If you're thankful for what you presently have, you won't step out of bounds to get something that you don't have. You don't have to manipulate a situation to get something that's not yours. So if I commit myself, let's go back. I talked a little bit about it earlier, honoring your own word. If I commit myself to honor my, my words, there has to be a realm of thanksgiving, of thankfulness in that, because I believe what God says about honor I believe the benefit of honor that even if it cost me in the situation, God will redeem it. So now we start talking about. We start talking about this basis of Thanksgiving. Many people think they're thankful, but they have little to no commitment. Have you ever met the person that hates their job but shows up every day? Okay, they're not thankful. Oh, no, I'm thankful I got a paycheck. No, you're not. Because if you were thankful, you would be committed to the assignment you were given and wouldn't be complaining about everything. Because thankfulness births something within us. Now, we live in a want-driven world. Most people are focused on how they feel, what they want, what they desire. They're not getting something. And, and we, there's, a, there's a bias in people's uh, thinking as a whole, painting with a broad brush. People default to what I don't have. Sure, I got a good job and I got a good paycheck, but I don't like the people I work with. Sure, I got a job and got a good paycheck, but they asked me to do things I don't like to do. Okay, as soon as you put a butt in there, now we come back to my old question, what side of the butt do you live on? See, if you're on the left side of the butt, before the comma, now I got a good job and I got a good paycheck. You don't have to put a butt in there. Thank God. Now, are, are you going to stay there for the rest of your life? I don't know about that because I, I, I think there's more that I can do or, you know, whatever you're wanting. But, but I'm thankful that I got this and I'm going, to, I'm going to work it as long as I work it and, and do whatever I'm going to do. There's a basis for thankfulness. Now, to, to define commitment, a state or personal dedication to something or someone. Am I committed to esteeming you higher than myself? See, there's one thing to talk the word of God. There's another thing I, I really have worked on and am getting myself to the full believement of it, that it doesn't matter what I have to deal with people. God's got my back and he's going to take care of everything. So now in this time of inflation, in this time of sickness and disease, in this time of excessive taxation, uh, if you're a homeowner, you know they're trying to gut Prop 13. And if they do it, your property taxes are going to go up like three times. Uh, so I just said, if you're a homeowner, if you're a renter, do you know your rent's going to go up about three times? Because all the homeowner's going to do is pass it on to, you, to the renter. And they're also talking about adding a transfer tax so that everybody that sells their house, they have to pay a, a 3 to 4% tax. It's a, called the transfer tax. So, so for them to transfer it from your name to the person you're selling it to, there's going to be a 3 or 4%. See, now, now you can look at those things and be very messed up on how am I going to make it. 
But if you're committed to the word, the word of God says, my God shall supply all my needs. So now where's my commitment? Is it a state of personal dedication to something? I am going to prove, Romans 12, 2, that the word of God works or I'm going to be moved by what I feel about this circumstance. Going back to my definition of commitment, a state of personal dedication to something or someone which results in actively promoting and working for their good and well-being. Now, if you're truly thankful for the somebody, you will work to bring them to their best potential. Now, the person that struggles with the word of God said, well, what about me? God said he's going to take care of you and give you all things pertaining to life and godliness. So most are committed, unfortunately, to their own feelings. That's why we violate the boundaries of commitment. Whether it's in business, whether it's in relationship, whether it's in, you know, whatever arena that you're talking about, it all works the same. Is because we lose thankfulness. Now, if we lose thankfulness or we don't have thankfulness toward God, His Word's not going to make sense to you. And we're going to struggle with it. Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. We read this last week in my definition, but I just think it's a great uh, verse that illustrates what I'm trying to to get across in these uh, um, messages. In Matthew uh, chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 36. Amen. And this is when Jesus was, um, you know, going to multiply the, the fish and the bread and feed the, the multitude. And he says and he commanded the multitude. In fact, you know what? Maybe... Uh, Uh, go back up to verse 32. Let's just go ahead and start there. We didn't read this part last week. Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Pause right there for just a minute. How long did they not have anything to eat? Now, wait a minute. Let's, let's be real here. They sat and listened to somebody preach for three days, not having anything to eat. And it took three days for Jesus to say, I have compassion on them. In all of our advancement, you think maybe we've gone a little bit backwards? The ability to to persevere. Man, I can't believe it. The pastor today preached for 34 minutes. I mean, (laughs) who does he think we are? I mean, doesn't he know people have things to do? And I will not send them away fasting. So now we see... They weren't nibbling in between. They were fasting. How many wants to go to this meeting? We're going to have a three-day revival service of fasting. We're going to preach and fast for three days. Anybody on board? Don't raise your hand. Joyce, thank you. I didn't want people to embarrass it because I didn't think anybody raised their hand, but praise God. Thank you. All right. Lest they faint in the way. And his disciples saying to him, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? Now, the very, the default of the disciples, now let me, disciples of Jesus. The default of the men walking with Jesus, seeing signs, wonders, and miracles. The first thing they thought of is, where in the world are we going to get bread? Now, this applies to us. How, how am I, I, I've got this life problem, how am I going to fix it? Okay, if you're thankful, you know God has provided all things. 
There's an answer there somewhere. In every problem you've got, in every situation of life that you've got, there is an answer to your problem. Now, does that mean you see it? Not necessarily. So like Samson, when it was one against a thousand, it said he looked around to see what God had provided for him, and there he found the, uh, the jawbone of the donkey. God had a donkey die, decompose enough, and, and I heard somebody from a scientific medical type thing talked about if, if the donkey hadn't been dead enough, the bone would have been too something. And if it had been dead too long, it would have like broke because it would be too, you know, something. It had to be like within a space of time. That donkey died, God knowing that Samson was going to be there and God needed that there. Let's just say 60 days. I don't know. 60 days to be dead so that when Samson came to this place, that jawbone would be in the condition that Samson can use it. Everything in our lives, God has placed, something, placed an answer there. It's the same thing is true in this, but the disciples can't see it. Now, if they were truly thankful in being disciples and knew that there's nothing that Jesus encountered, that there was not an answer, it would have been, praise God, how are you going to do this this time? Tell me what to do. I'll go do it. But we struggle with that. They struggled with that. Do you see it? Okay. And uh, so, so they said, how are we going to feed such great multitude? Verse 34, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves have we? And they said, seven and a few little fish. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and broke them and gave to his disciples and disciples to the multitudes. And they did all eat every single one of them, the whole multitude, and were filled, as I pointed out the other, last week, uh, there had to be seconds and thirds, you know, for, for everybody to be filled. And they took up the broken meat that was left, seven basketfuls. Now, the focal point on here is a focal point. Uh, notice that when Jesus had them, let's go back to verse uh, 36. He took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks. The question before the thanks was, what do we have? Remember the woman with the, uh, um, that the, the debtor was coming? I, I mentioned this last week. Uh, went to the prophet. Uh, my, my husband was your servant. And now they're coming to, to get us because of all the debts. What, am, what are you going to do for me? He says, what do you have? I don't have anything except a little oil. Okay, I heard Dr. Barkley, Barkley preach on this before and called it the, the demon of a little bit. There's a demon of a little bit to make us think. We have a little bit. But God says, you have all things pertaining to life and godliness. We struggle because we can't see it, and we don't like this element of living by faith. So we focus on what we don't have. When God says we have everything, you and I have within us everything we need. We could pay our mortgages off. For renters, we could buy a house, pay cash for it. So, oh, there's no way, Pastor. You know how much houses cost now? Yeah, the girls are looking for one. They've been looking for one. $350,000 house ain't real impressive. But God said he's given you all things. What do I have? Everything works by seed, time, and harvest. What do I have? Well, I don't have anything but just a little bit. But, but do you understand, see, if you, if, when you move into this realm of thankfulness, it's praise God, I got a little bit. Now I can feed the multitudes. What do I have that God can use? 
You can't get there without thankfulness because outside of thankfulness, you're looking at the gap. See, Jesus, like the disciples, could have easily looked at 5,000 men plus women and children. Two fish. Loaves. There ain't no way. He didn't do that. He gave thanks and broke it. Well, you and I don't, can't see ourselves breaking up some food and multiplying it. Come on, seriously. Has anybody ever been in a situation where there was very little food in the house? Amen. Nobody but us? Okay. All right. There's a time in our lives, man. We ate wieners for breakfast, wieners for dinner. Uh, Tammy's going, she remembers those days. Now, we didn't do it then, didn't understand things that we understand now, but did you ever take the little bit of food you have, sit down and multiply it? See, I mentioned this not too long ago about the price of gas. Everybody's complaining about the price of gas. You ever speak over your gas tank to multiply? So, well, how can that happen? But God. See, if I'm thankful that he's given me everything that I need to solve every problem that I have, I'm not going to focus on what's not there. I hope you're seeing this. So I'll just read what I wrote down in my notes. Most live with a focus on what's missing, trying to fulfill internal negative uh, elements, focusing instead uh, on the negative instead of being thankful for what they have. Translation. Um, we, we have emotional emptinesses. See, see, in a world of having all things, there would be no addictions. Why would you need to get addicted? Because addiction is an escape route. Yeah. Why would we run to the bottle? Why would we run to the pill? Why would we run to the, you know, the whatever if we had everything? Amen. But yet it goes on and on and on. Why would we step over the boundaries of life, going where we shouldn't go, if we had everything? Well, we have everything but we're not thankful for what we have, how can God give us the fulfillment or the manifestation of everything if we don't have right thankfulness with Him? Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17, verse 1. All right, 17, 1. Then said He unto His disciples, It is impossible, but offenses will come. All right, now offenses is going to be a very catalyst of thankfulness. He says it's impossible to live in this life without without the opportunity to get offended. Somebody's going to take you off. Somebody's going to do something stupid to you. Somebody's going to do something that hurts you, your feelings, your body, your your mind, your whatever. Uh, Somebody's going to do so. It's impossible to live in this life without offenses coming. You're going to have it, what, like probably at least once every six months? No, like once every day, probably. You know, some people are five times a day. Um, then said unto the disciples, It is impossible, but offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. You want to watch yourself and not be a, a stumbling block for people. It were better for him, the person that offends, that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea, uh, than that he should offend one of these little ones. Jesus then says, Pay attention to yourself. Take heed to yourself. If your brother trespass against these. Now, is that an opportunity to get offended? Mm-hmm. Somebody does something against you. Okay, opportunity of offense. Okay, so he says, take heed to yourself. If that brother <laughs> trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Okay, that kind of makes sense. 
Then Jesus said in verse 4, And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Now when the, the disciples heard this, because the disciples are trying to learn how to walk in the things of God. They make a very interesting statement. They said, uh, and the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. So in other words, what just happened is Jesus just taught them a lesson. And, and think about it for yourself. Somebody that you know, you know, they do something against you. And, and, and then they say, man, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, we're probably fairly cool with that. But then two hours later, now wait a minute. In a day, there's 24 hours in a day. There's what, roughly, say, 10 to 12 hours of nighttime. So that's 10 to, 20, 10 to 12 hours during the day because they kind of wrapped everything up, you know, when the sun went down. That means that person's offending you, trespassing against you once every an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> you know, second, times you, second time you might give a pass. Dude, you know, we just had this conversation an hour ago. Yeah, 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 I know, but I'm sorry. And then another hour and a half goes by and they do the same thing. So the disciples are hearing this and they're saying, okay, God, Jesus, increase our faith. I, I don't know if I can do that. I've got to have an active faith to walk in this. So they at least recognize their own inability to walk this out. Now, notice what Jesus says. So Jesus now in verse six is answering the question of verse 5, said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, uh, you might say unto this, this sycamine tree. So what is Jesus talking about? I, I dealt with this in the parables on Wednesday. If you have faith as a, a, a grain of a mustard seed, he said, increase our faith. It's not about the size of the mustard seed. It's the potential of the mustard seed to grow. His answer was on increasing faith. Because we've all been given a measure of faith. And this is a problem in many people's lives from lack of thanksgiving. Because if you truly understood, if all of us truly understood everything that God has given to us, we would be putting our faith to work to grow it, to step into greater and greater things. Now watch what happens. He says, if you had faith as grain of mustard, you might say unto the sycamine tree, sowing and reaping, you might say, be plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea. It should obey you. Now watch this, but which of you having a servant? Okay, now, now what I'm going to do here, I'm going to switch Bibles here. Let me take your Bible. I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Uh, where, where am I at? Verse 7 over here. Which of you, I'm reading now out of the Amplified. Which of you who has a servant plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he comes in from the field, come at once, sit down to eat? It's kind of a rhetorical question that if you have a servant, you're not going to feed the servant first. They're, they're working for you. They're laboring for you. It's not, they don't walk in and say, okay, I, I plowed the field or I, I fed the cattle. What do I get now? <clears throat> Verse 8. Will not he instead say to him, or would the master not say, prepare something for me to eat and appropriately clothe yourself for service and serve me while I eat and drink. Now, there's, there's two levels of problems on here from the thankfulness side. Because in this parable, or, or in the story here of increasing faith, the servant is us. The master is Jesus. 
Okay, but there's a position of authority that we have and can exercise in faith. Now, we live in a real uh, panty-waste society where people can't even stand in authority. Because faith is a servant of the believer. Now, if we can't on the natural side, people like, there's a lot of people like in management, they're afraid they're going to hurt an employee's feelings if they say something to them wrong. I know I'm not being politically correct, I'm sorry, but we need to grow up. But then there's the other element that we're Jesus' servant. Remember, Paul said, I'm a bond servant of Christ. Okay, are you following with me? You may not like it, but are you following me? Okay, what verse did I stop on? Eight? Okay, will he not instead say to him, prepare something for me to eat and appropriately clothe yourself for service and serve me while I eat and drink. Now, remember, this guy just came from feeding the hogs, the cattle, the chickens. Or, or pulling the weeds in the corn or something like that. Go, go get yourself clean so you're presentable to me and feed me. Then afterward, you may eat and drink. He does not thank the servant just because he did what he was ordered to do, does he? But now, you know how many people walk around today uh, expecting a thank you? Yeah. You know, they got a job. Somebody employed them. They never even tell me thank you. Every Friday, don't they thank you? <laughs> See, we become so emotionally soft <clears throat> that all we're doing is chasing our lust, our desires, our wants trying to fulfill voids in our heart. And Jesus has told us exactly how to do it. There's a root here in thanksgiving that is a platform for all of this to work. Verse 10. So you too, when you have, everything, when you have done everything that was assigned and commanded you, say, we are unworthy servants, undeserving of praise or reward, for we have not gone beyond our obligation. We have merely done what we ought to do. Now you've got, you've got, see now, if we're truly thankful for what Christ did for us, now here's a breakdown or, or kind of chunking it down. Most people don't believe that sin is as bad as sin is. Otherwise, they would be trying to reach every single one of their families because they understand how bad hell is. See, the price Christians can say the price on the cross was a horrific price. But why was it such a horrific price? Why did, for, for the healing of our flesh, did Jesus have to go through the, the, the stripes on his back that the doctors say would just rip his, his flesh down to the bone? Why did he have to go through the cross? Because the detriment on the other side was a high-cost sin. But, you know, we're, we're kind of okay with sin. Yeah, I got this little problem. I stumbled. We don't, we, we, don't, we don't understand how bad sin is and how bad sin is going to play out in people's life because the price that was paid was so high because the wrong that was committed was so high. So now, the, the focal point determines the basis or the state of our being, which is, in Him we live and move and have our being. But in the servants, the servants, us, of Christ, they did only what they were assigned to do. Well, you know, I go to church most of the time. I read my Bible every once in a while. I, I pray maybe sometimes. 
You know, I do these religious things, you know, to be right with Christ. It's not, it's not the example that he gave. Why did they only do what they were told? Because they only did to get the wages of servanthood, you know, their, their pay. In Christ, if we're really thankful for what Christ did with, for us, we would clean up where we're at so we can walk in what he provided for us. The struggle that people are having to walk in the things of God is because they don't really understand how bad sin is to us and they're not thankful for Christ. Oh, no, I'm thankful he died on the cross for me. Then why don't you live like it? Remember my, my, my definition of commitment? You can't walk with God without this commitment. This commitment falls into what I call the assumption of the Bible. The assumption of the Bible is that when you come to Christ, you're all in. I'm going to, I'm everything in my life. I'm going to adjust to everything I find in the word of God. Show me how to live this thing. I'm all in. I'm not, I'm not going to put my ideas on it. You tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. I'm all in. And this is where it gets hard. So if fear is in our life, because, because a lot of people deal with fear. If fear is in our life, you can only be fearful from unthankfulness. See, because if I was thankful in him, there is no fear. I could not participate in fear over here because I'm thankful that he paid the price. That's why faith doesn't work in fear. Because if you're fearful and you're trying to have faith, the fear is outweighing your faith. You, You know, Fear and faith are the exact same thing, just going opposite directions. That's why I always say it's like dri- trying to drive a car and drive and reverse at the same time. You can't do it. You're either in fear, going the way of fear, or you're in faith, going the way of faith. And many Christians are comfortable in their, f- yeah, I've got a fear problem. I know it. Wait a minute. How can you say that so lightheartedly? Because to say I have a fear problem is to say I have a faith problem. And that in my decisions, I travel away from God instead of to God. See, if I truly under, and and I hope you're catching the connection on thankfulness, because if I'm truly thankful for what he's done, I will fight everything that's contrary to what he's done. Because he's given it to me. I have a responsibility to prove that his word works, that fear has no place in my life. That's why the church is so weak right now. They're afraid of everything. They run to comfort. They don't run to the word to stand and fight back everything that's coming against them. I tell you, I've been preaching it for for a while now on this inflation, on these money economic things. You better have your faith set way above this that you can overcome it. Because if you're just living a life relying on, well, I got faith like a seed. uh, You know, well, what are you doing with the seed? Putting it in your pocket and showing everybody or are you planting it? Because a lot of people are talking about their verse that they know, but they're not utilizing the verse in the problem that they're facing. And this is where the struggle comes in. These things, honor, I talked about it. It plays a foundational thanksgiving, uh, plays a foundational role. Submission, being submitted to the word, uh, plays a role. We don't want to give up these things because we think it's going to put us in a lesser position, but it puts us in a more powerful position. The church should, well, the church is, the most powerful force on earth, 
We could fix all these political things if the church would get out of there being more loyal to the Dems and the Republicans uh, and, and start standing on the word of God, unify and fight back all the darkness that's trying to destroy our country. But we can't do it. We're just divided on philosophy. Well, how do you, how in the world could we ever get united on philosophy? Start reading the Bible. Do what the Bible says. So if fearful, there's no faith. So you can't be thankful in fear either. And we, we've messed this up with our, no, 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 I, I'm thankful. I just, you're not thankful. You know, I, I've got, I got a lot of little trinkets in my office that's come from overseas. In fact, I've got a stick. Now, don't, don't let your brain go too far. It's a stick. Now they did a, what would you put over a stick like that makes it shiny, like a varnish or, is varnish the right word? Some guy in Chile, country of Chile, South America, whittled a stick, varnished it, it's kind of a twisted stick. If you walk in my office, turn to the left, it's up there on the, the shelf. Uh, I got it 10 years ago or something like that. I still have it and gave it to me. Has no in, intrinsic value, but I don't, I thought, the guy did that and gave it to me. I got this little thing. Walk in my office and to the back corner right there, there's a little thing with two little hearts on it. It's just a little tiny metal thing with two little hearts. Probably today would cost $3.99 or something like that. But I was given it by a medical doctor in Poland. And, uh, uh, he was talking, he and his wife were talking to me, how blessed they were by the ministry as they took me back to the airport and they gave it to me as a gift. I still have it. And uh, why? Because, you know, I got things from Africa, people that they, they really have nothing, but yet they gave me something. And, and it really stirs my heart. And what bugs me is the price of what Jesus paid to give to us. And I've even seen in my own life where I'm not thankful. If we're truly thankful for what Jesus did, we would fight everything that opposed us, and if it even cost our life, we would still stand knowing that God is true. We would stand for the proving of His Word. But we get, because we live in such an emotional society, we get a little itchy, a little eh, 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 and, and then we go run to satisfy our, our lust, wants, and desires, and we violate the Word of God. One last verse. Go to Romans chapter 6. Amen. Verse 17. But God be thanked. Now, I'm probably next week am going to go through thankfulness and worship. Because a lot of people are saying thanks to God in worship, but they're not really thankful to God. We've got to understand it. Thanks But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. See, many people are coming out of darkness. They don't realize what God has given to them. And, well, I'm thankful Jesus died for my sins so I don't have to go to hell and now I can go to heaven. But thanks be to God that I was a servant of sin. So were you before you came to Christ but have obeyed. 
I've allowed God's word to rise above my feelings, my emotions, my thought processes. From the heart, the form of doctrine, the teaching, the principles which was delivered to me. Being then made free from sin, we became the servants of righteousness. That servants ties back into Luke 17, the servants. Are you a servant of righteousness? You can't be without thankfulness because righteousness is a heavy price to pay. It's a denial of self. But until we see what Christ did for us and we become servants that are willing to not only do what he said, but go the extra mile. Luke chapter six. If somebody slaps you on the face, turn and give them the other cheek. If somebody asks for a coat, give them your uh, tunic also. If somebody asks you to walk a mile, walk two miles with them. See, we should believe so much. Thankfulness will cause us to move out of the realm of self and into the realm of, of fulfilling the word of God. Let's all stand. The price that Jesus paid was in proportion to the torments of sin. Do you know if we really understood that? I guarantee you right now, right now, this very minute, every single one of us knows somebody who they are befuddled with life. They do not know how to make it work. They're, they're fighting economic things. They're fighting uh, just things on all kinds of front, on all fronts of life. You and I know it, and we have the answer. You know, when you're sitting with somebody and they say, oh man, I've been fighting this, fill in the blank. Your, your my response should be, there's an answer for that. Yeah. Really? What's the answer? Jesus. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Let me tell you what God's done for me. Because I believe. We, we've got to build our trust so high on the things of the, the Spirit that it does not matter what situation that we get into. God's word will not fail us. God's word will not fail us. And I, be, I believe that right now is a great opportunity to help people out of their distresses. Yes. If we will only be the word of God that God created us to be. But see, if we don't, uh, there's two things I think that robs us of this. We really don't realize the price that Jesus paid because of the detriment and the torments of sin. And two, we're, we get so focused on ourselves. We get so focused on ourselves. What we want, what we desire, what we this, what we that. In fact, uh, uh, as one person uh, illustrated or, or made it, um, explained it that people talk about money and stuff like that, that money's a magnifier. Put some money in your hand and you will see what's in your heart. Because it's going it, to, it will now, you know, money answers all things. So if you've got a, a void in your heart, you will run to what you want when money gets put in your hands. Money shouldn't change us. We serve a God that this whole world is his and he's given it to us. We got we to learn how to walk in what he's empowered us to walk in. There is a life of freedom from emotional freedom, physical freedom, spiritual freedom, from all things that are plaguing us. But we've got to apply our faith to believe that, God, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this. That's going to be real. It's not a struggle for you. I'm fighting this, and I know your word has given me the answer to it. Show me how to apply your word, because yeah. I'm thankful for what you've done. You, you want me to walk in freedom. Mm. 
and it, it's a struggle for people. Heavenly Father, I pray today, Lord, that you open the eyes of our understanding. Lord, we're living in a time where darkness is on all sides of us. And people are battling. They don't know that they're battling demons. They, they think they're battling a natural problem. But God, you set us above every name that's named. But there's got to be a reality of thankfulness that you've given to us. God, that we can function in that place. Lord, and, and a huge part of our functionality is from the, from the element that it doesn't matter that we only have two fish and you know, some loaves and there's thousands of people. We're thankful that what you've given us will fulfill the need. We have it. Now, yes, Lord, we've got to be good stewards over our time, over our money, over our thoughts, over every element of our lives, which is a failure that many struggle with. But God, we live and can live in a realm that sickness and disease cannot get on us. We won't be into the we won't be living in the bondages of sin. That we we know that we have all things and we're thankful, God, you've you've positioned us above the fray. So, Lord, I thank you, God. Help us to understand this. Help us to walk in this. Help us to, to know this, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Our elders are up front. And uh, didn't feel led to pray for anybody individually. But if you've not given your life to the Lord, or you're battling something, come up and let the elders pray for you. And, uh, and they will. We're, we're believing God that signs, wonders, and miracles happen within the church. And we need to see that in individual lives. So, so don't forsake the opportunity. We've got to get our lives in alignment with God. And uh, uh, I tell you a story of a person that I knew they were called to this church, but they left for a better job offer. And man, they just walked through one problem after another problem after another problem after another problem. You've got to be in alignment with God and His Word will work. Quit chasing the desires of the flesh and the, the cultural thinking of our minds and so on and so forth. God bless you. We'll be on our live stream tomorrow at 10. Come up, let the elders pray for you uh, so that you can walk these things out in these last days.